Welcome to the Boone's Creek Baptist Church podcast. We are a church that exists to spread God's glory from our neighbors to the nations. This is Pastor Tim Wade, and we pray that you will be blessed as we consider God's living, active, and all-sufficient Word together. This morning, I would ask that you turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Uh, We've already read from Luke chapter 2. We're going to back up for our sermon today and look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, looking at what Mary knew. Now, many of us have probably at some point in our lives been fascinated by the question of whether or not we could actually know the future, what that might look like to know the future. That's a question that's fascinated people for forever. Uh, You can even look back in the Bible and in the Old Testament, uh, although this didn't work out very well for him, Saul, before he went into battle, wanted to know the future, what that battle would hold. And so he actually was so driven by this desire that he went to go visit a witch to see if she could tell him what the battle held in store for him. We've seen this theme, though, take place in books and movies. And people asking the question, what if I could know? Now, typically, this question uh, is focused on what kind of gain could I get from knowing the future, right? If I could know tomorrow's lottery numbers or perhaps who's going to win the NFL contest this afternoon so you could place the, the proper bets like in Back to the Future, right, where he went and got the sports almanac and came back and used that uh, to enrich himself. But one of the more popular Christian songs that we sing during the Christmas season actually raises this very question about what someone may or may not have known about the future. Of course, you may have guessed it. I'm talking about the song, Mary, Did You Know? Uh, In fact, there's some controversy about this song. Some people either like it a lot or some people don't like it so much because They'll say on the one hand that Mary certainly did have some knowledge about who it was that she was bringing into the world, what he would be able to do and accomplish. On the other hand, she wasn't given all of the specifics. The angel didn't tell her exactly what bringing the Son of God into the world would look like and entail. She didn't have all the details and often throughout Jesus' life we find that Mary actually is a little confused about what he's doing and how he's working as the Son of God. Now, I don't want to spend this morning debating the merits of the song, Mary, Did You Know? I think it's a lovely, thought-provoking song that affirms the wonderful things about who Jesus is and what He did while He ministered here on the earth. However, I want to take a look this morning at what Mary did know. Because as we consider what Mary knew about this baby that she was bringing into the world, perhaps even the thoughts that were going through her mind on the Christmas Eve before she would give birth, we can see things that we too, as believers in Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, should know. Things that are even more precious and valuable to us than tomorrow's lottery numbers. Or the outcome of ball games. So then, if you're able this morning, I would ask that you 
Please stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God as we read together today Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26 and reading through verse 56. (coughs) There we read. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked at the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Once more, let's turn to the Lord in prayer this morning. Oh God, we come before you today once more with grateful joyful hearts, remembering what it is that you have accomplished for us in sending your son Jesus to the earth and sending him to live 
a holy, blameless, and perfect life. The life that we could not live because we were enslaved to sin. And having lived such a life, Lord, He went to the cross, bearing our sin, bearing our shame, bearing our wickedness, our brokenness, our diseases, our infirmities, all the things that have gone wrong because of the curse of sin. Jesus Christ took that curse upon Himself. It was the very reason that He was born. And so, Lord, today we celebrate. We celebrate that birth knowing what it accomplished. Knowing what it would lead to. And Lord, my prayer today is that You would help us to see and delight in what Your Word reveals to us about, in particular, Mary. And how her knowledge of you and your word shaped her. So that we too might be similarly shaped. So that we too might similarly know your word. And know to trust you. And know your character. Lord I pray that if there is someone here who does not know you in that way. Who does not trust you. Who has not submitted their lives to you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day they would come to that knowledge. I pray that they would exclaim with Mary as they leave this place, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I pray that that song would be on all of our lips today at the conclusion of our service. Lord, you can do it. And so I trust everything that follows into your hands. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we look this morning at these verses, these verses that reveal to us the message that came to Mary and her subsequent response, I think there's several things that jump out to us that it should be very clear to us that Mary actually does know. Mary isn't going into this situation with her eyes closed. She knows some things for certain. And first and foremost, Mary knows more than anything else the Scripture. Mary knew her Bible. This is clear based on what she says and how she responds. When Gabriel comes to Mary and he tells her that she's about to have the Son of the Most High God that he's going to sit on the throne of his father David and rule the house of Jacob forever, Mary doesn't say, Who? Who, who's, who is David? Who's the house of Jacob? Who are, we, who are we talking about here? I'm getting ready to marry a man named Joseph. Are we confused about the situation here? No, Mary knew exactly all of the context behind all of those names. Even though those people had lived... Hundreds of years before, she knew exactly who these people were. She knew that David was Israel's greatest king. She knew that Jacob was the patriarch of the entire nation. She knew likely the prophecies that would come to pass about these people. The fact that David would have an offspring that would rule on his throne forever. 
Now, it's pretty remarkable, and we don't want to take this for granted, that Mary knew exactly what the angel was talking about. She knew exactly who the angel was talking about. We might look at this and say, well, of course she knew that, but we need to remember that people didn't have personal Bibles in their homes. right? This thing that you've got sitting in your lap or tucked in the pew right there in front of you, those didn't exist. Mary did not have one of these. Right? The, the scriptures that they had were hand copied on large scrolls typically kept in the local synagogues. They also didn't have Sunday schools where Mary could go and color pictures of David and Goliath and see you know, how things played out on flannel graphs. And they didn't have VBS where they could go and learn songs. But these... This information was nonetheless passed down within the families of people who feared God and kept His Word. Oftentimes, children would memorize large portions of Scripture. They would repeat and recite psalms and and different portions of Scripture during different festivals and holy days throughout the year. So the Scripture was saturating the culture, permeating Mary's mind. Even though they didn't have the conveniences And the access that we have, we have unprecedented access to Scripture, yet I would wager that Mary knew her Bible better than most of us in this room. She knew that God was going to send His Son into the world. She knew that the prophet Isaiah had prophesied that He would send His Son into the world to be born of a virgin. She would have known that despite the fact that the line of Davidic kings was broken, that it had been broken for hundreds of years, that her own lineage, her own bloodline, and that of her fiancé Joseph could trace both of their ancestries back to that king. And that one day that line would be restored. She knew that those prophecies had been made. The only detail about this whole situation that Mary seems a little unclear about is exactly how she would end up pregnant. She asked the angel, well, how will this be because I have not known a man? I'm a virgin. That's the only thing she needs clarity on. Everything else that the angel says makes perfect sense. And, And we need to grasp this because what the angel is telling her is shocking. You're about to become mother to the Son of God. All of the promises that's been made from Genesis 3.15, that there's going to be a seed of the woman to come and crush the serpent's head. That there's going to be a seed from Abraham's offspring that would bless all the nations of the earth. That there'd be one from the house of David who had sat on his father's throne forever. All of these prophecies, they're all going to come true in you, Mary. And Mary understands this and she just says, okay, how? What's the mechanics of this situation here? This could only be the case if Mary knew what the Bible said. (coughs) Furthermore, when we get down in verse 46 to Mary's prayer slash song of praise, we refer to this as the Magnificat. We see that Mary's own words here are saturated with Scripture. The most obvious and clear example of this is actually another prayer, another hymn of praise that was uttered by another woman 
who by all rights should not have been pregnant. That was the woman Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Like Mary, Hannah was someone that was not expecting to have a baby. She, unlike Mary, was married. She had tried and tried and tried to have a baby and she was unable to conceive. She was barren. And so she goes to the temple and she prays and the priest at the temple blesses her and she conceives her son Samuel. Samuel is interesting because he himself would later be the one that actually anoints David. He's the one that recognizes and points out this is going to be the next king in Israel. And so like Hannah's son prefigures David, here she prays in a way that's very similar to how Mary is going to pray and rejoice in the Messiah. She takes Samuel to the temple and leaves him there to serve. And this is what Hannah prays. Listen listen to this prayer from Hannah and the similarities between her prayer and Mary's. She says, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by Him actions are weighted. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven. But she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings up to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and He exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them set with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Now, Both of these prayers uttered by these women in very similar circumstances emphasize the goodness of the Lord (coughs) and His tendency to exalt the humble and bring down the proud. Both acknowledge that the Lord feeds the hungry. Both acknowledge the enduring promises of the Lord. The salvation that comes from the Lord. And, And this is remarkable because both of these women seem to recognize the significance of their specific child. Right now, I know when someone becomes pregnant, it is a joyful thing. Right? When a baby is born, that that is perhaps the, the pinnacle of joy that we can experience in the life of a family. It's remarkable. It is a miraculous thing. And we delight in that. We celebrate. We rejoice. But most of us, When we bring a new child into the world, we're we're not thinking 
The Lord has kept His promises to bring salvation to all mankind. Right? We're, we're, we're delighted, we're happy, we're excited for our baby, and that's a, a life-changing thing for us. But these women see that the significance of their children goes beyond just their immediate circumstances. That this is an indication that God has kept His word, that He is bringing salvation to all mankind. It would be impossible, I think, to read these two prayers side by side and to think that Mary was not influenced, that Mary was not thinking specifically about Hannah's prayer when she offered her own prayer. So Mary knew the Scriptures. Mary knew 1 Samuel chapter 2. And she uses it as a template for what she prays when it's announced to her that the Son of God is coming into the world. But this isn't the only Old Testament reference in Mary's prayer. Let me just show you some other correspondences here very quickly. Many of these taken from the Psalms. Mary says in her prayer, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Not only does that sound like how Hannah begins her prayer, but it also sounds like Psalm 34. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Mary says, And His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. There's a reference to this in Exodus, but also Psalm 103, verse 7, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children. Mary says, He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Psalm 138.6 says, For the Lord, uh, though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty He knows from afar. Mary said, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. Psalm 107 says, For He has satisfied the longing soul and the hungry soul He fills with good things. Mary says he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Isaiah 41 says, But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, to whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its furthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mary prays like someone who knows her scriptures inside and out. Let me just ask you this morning. Do your prayers reflect a knowledge of the scriptures? Often, I think if we're honest with ourselves, at least I'll admit I've been here before, it feels like our prayers are repetitive and stale. We seem to pray for the same things, for the same people, over and over and over again. Do you know that the best antidote for stale, powerless, lifeless, dare I say, boring prayers is the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you saturate your mind with the Bible, you give yourself the language for your prayers. 
You give yourself the substance, the content of your prayers. You can take the scripture and pray it back to God. That's exactly what Mary does. Listen, this is the most exciting news that anyone had ever received. The promises of God from Genesis 3 are all being kept. The Son of God is is coming to earth. He's going to be born by you, Mary. And Mary, when she prays, she's thinking, okay, what, what scripture fits this situation? Right, this is something completely new and exciting and remarkable. And yet Mary is drawing on the wealth of the word to express her feelings of delight and joy in God. The Bible is relevant for us. The Bible is powerful and the Bible is sufficient. So if you're struggling with your prayer life, if you don't know what to pray, go back and pick up one of those Psalms. Go back and And pick up Mary's prayer here and pattern your own prayer after what she prays. She did the same thing from Hannah's prayer. So so you're not cheating, right? You're, you're You're not doing something that you shouldn't be doing if you're using this as the template for your prayer. So you might take Mary's prayer and pray something like this. God, my soul magnifies and delights in you, though I confess to you that unlike Mary... I do not delight in you as I should. I'm too easily distracted by lesser delights. I confess to you that I sit staring at my phone for hours. I laugh at the raunchy things my culture finds funny. My heart is filled with selfishness instead of delight in you. Help me instead to magnify you, Lord, because I recognize that you have done great things for me. You can take the substance of Mary's prayer and make it the substance of your prayer. And you can do that all throughout Scripture, taking the words of Scripture and using them to fuel your prayers. This can reinvigorate your prayer life. It gives you the language to communicate with God. Mary saw that. And that's why her prayer is filled with what she knew. It's filled with Scripture. Our prayers... I think are often not filled with scripture because we just don't know it well enough. We don't know it as well as Mary did. But Mary also knew something else. She also knew the character of God. And this is reflected throughout her prayer. She knows that she is praying to the God who exalts the humble and brings down the proud. She knows that she she knows that she's praying to the God who provides for the hungry. Do we know these things as well? Do we know our God? Do we know His character? Do we know what He is like? I suggest that we don't know Him as well as Mary did in all likelihood. We don't know Him as well as we should. Because if we did, we wouldn't be worried about every little thing all the time. I think we worry because we don't see God for who He is. We experience a tragedy, like the death of a loved one, like the recent news that our association's gym is going to have to be torn down, like the loss of our job. We receive the news of a cancer diagnosis or the failure of our marriage, and we become agitated and worried, and we feel like the world is crashing down on us. And we forget the simple fact that God so loved the world 
that He sent His only begotten Son. We forget the baby in a manger. The sign of God's presence with us. We forget that by that baby, God is proclaiming to the world, yes, I don't like these things either, and I'm actually going to fix them. I'm going to fix death. I'm going to fix cancer. I'm going to fix deterioration. I'm going to fix your sin. We forget that God, in His loving, sustaining character, is actually working, moving constantly to make right what has been wrong for far too long. Mary could see all the patterns that God had brought together throughout history to bring her to this point, to bring His Son into the world because she knew God's character. God's character is revealed to Mary in the very first words that the angel speaks to her. He tells her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now, what a greeting. Right? Who here would not want to hear that? Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But I submit to you that every single one of us in this room has heard this greeting. It's been announced by the baby in the manger. Greetings, O world. Oh, favored ones, the Lord is with you in the flesh. He has come to you because He loves you. And because God is pouring out His grace on you. These words are remarkable. Our English doesn't really do it justice. The angel is announcing that God is one who shows abundant grace to the most humble of His servants. Martin Luther, looking at these Words, this greeting from the angel, he sums up what the angel was saying to Mary in this way. He says, O Mary, you are so blessed. You have a gracious God. No woman has ever lived on the earth to whom God has shown such grace. Because of God's show of grace to Mary, because of who he was, she did not have to fear. She wasn't overwhelmed in this moment by the circumstances of her life. She wasn't overwhelmed in this moment by the political situation in Israel. It wasn't good. They were occupied by a hostile, invading army. And the Romans weren't very nice to them. They were taxed to death. They were oppressed. They were mistreated. But none of that shows up in this passage. She wasn't concerned about Joseph's response to the news that she was pregnant. I mean... Your fiance comes up to you and says, hey, got some news. Right? And you know that, you know, you and her haven't, so what's up? She wasn't worried about that. She wasn't worried about what people might have thought about her or how she would survive if she was accused by the community of immoral behavior. And the only way that she wasn't concerned about all of those things, all of those problems that arises now because of this situation, is because she knew who God was. His character was her comfort. Now, we like comfort. We are a culture, a society that likes comfortable things. Right? We like comfort foods. 
Those foods that, that we eat and they're warm and they just warm us up from the inside out like a good homemade mac and cheese. You know, not like the box stuff. The box stuff's okay in a pinch, but I mean a good like actual baked mac with real cheese, not processed cheese product, right? That's a comfort food. That makes you feel good when you eat it. We like the, the blankets, right, on the couch and the house slippers. Yesterday I was walking around, we celebrated Christmas at my house yesterday, and, you know, there's four girls over there, and there's like 27 blankets in the living room. I, you know, there's like 10 blankets for each person. I don't know what's going on there, but we like our blankets. We like to be comfortable. We like things that make us feel good because the reality is that oftentimes we don't feel good. We feel bad. We feel physically bad. Our bodies hurt. We get sick. Things don't go right for us on a day-to-day basis. And we need those things that make us feel just a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable. But what if God was our comfort? What if God Himself and the knowledge of who He is If we allowed that to warm our hearts and comfort us. You see, when Mary got this news, she didn't go grab a pint of Ben and Jerry's and her blanket. Right? She let herself be comforted by God's character, by her knowledge that God is God. And so he has her in his hand. And so long as she's there, she's safe. Mary knew that. Mary knew that. Closely related to this knowledge of God's character is the fact that Mary knew to trust. Mary knew to trust. As I said, this news that Mary received from this angel, this was going to create a lot of problems for her. When you begin to think this through, right? this is, this is life-changing news. What was she going to tell Joseph? What was she going to tell her family? What would the community think in, that they lived in there in Nazareth? But none of these very reasonable questions came up with Mary. Again, the only thing that she wants to know from the angel is how? How will this happen? I don't think that's a question that shows a lack of trust. It's, it's simply a question of what do you need me to do? How's this going to work? It's a very reasonable response. She isn't married. She's still a virgin. How is she going to become pregnant? And once the angel tells her what's going to happen, she says, okay, okay. What's even more shocking, I think, is that immediately after she receives this news, what does she do? We're told in the text here, she sets off to go see her cousin Elizabeth. Now there's a lot we could say about Elizabeth here, but... The angel brings up Elizabeth to Mary in his conversation. He says, listen, let me tell you something else. Your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, she's conceived. She's six months along. And so Mary sets off to go see Elizabeth. She's not trying to validate or verify what the angel says, but she sees that these events, these two pregnancies, are rightfully connected. And it would be best, she sees, to go and talk with Elizabeth. Now the remarkable thing is that based on the geography of where they live, this would have been a journey of about a hundred miles taken on foot by this young woman 
who just realized, just found out from an angel that she was pregnant. Now, she wasn't scared of the danger or the difficulty of this trip. She wanted to be right in the middle of whatever God was doing. And if God was working in Elizabeth's life, if He'd done something miraculous for her and now she, He was doing something re- uh, miraculous for Mary, Mary wanted to be in the midst of that. She wanted to know what God was doing. And so she goes to see Elizabeth. And she was confident. She was able to go and do that because she trusted the Lord. The Lord's told her, Hey Mary, you're going to have a baby. You're going to have my son. So what's going to happen to her on the road? Right? She's going to be safe. She's going to get there and back again. Like Bilbo because she knows that God is going to keep His word. Nothing bad can happen to her. God's word would be accomplished. She trusts Him. Mary knew how to trust because she knew the word of God. And she knew the character of God. And if God was going to send His Son into the world through her, then she would be His willing servant. She trusted God completely, despite whatever hardships she might encounter. Folks, this is remarkable trust. And it's the same trust that we are capable, indeed that we are called to place in the Lord. And what's remarkable in this is is that as Mary trusts, What she finds is that she delights. She experiences joy. This is not the prayer of a woman who's overwhelmed with concerns and anxieties. Oh God, I'm going to have a baby. I don't know what's going to happen with my fiancé. I don't know what's going to happen with my future. I don't know what's going to happen with this baby's future. How I'm going to provide for him. The names that people are going to call him. That's the prayer I think most of us in our anxiety-laden culture would pray. But Mary prays with joy. My soul magnifies the Lord. She is rejoicing in what God is doing and she's only able to do that because she trusts. She's trusting the Lord. Often our lack of joy is directly proportional to our lack of trust. We're searching for joy, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to get it, rather than the only thing that will actually result in our joy. Trusting the Lord and what He says is good and best for us. Do we trust God that when He says, if we confess our sins to Him, that He will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins? If we trust that God is going to keep His Word, then why are we still burdened with guilt? Folks, as Christians, we're not meant to be walking around overwhelmed by guilt over past sins and failures. When you recognize that you have sinned, you repent, you go to the Lord, you confess that sin, repent of it, turn away from it, and then trust that He has forgiven you of it through Jesus Christ. That's the... The freedom that we have as believers to trust. Do we believe that when God says, if you train up a child in the way he should go, that when he is old, he will not depart from it? If we believe that, then why aren't we training our children? We often cede that authority. We often, as parents, cede that authority to train our children. We give it away to the schools. 
or to Netflix or to video games. And don't hear me saying that we shouldn't do any of those things ever. I'm just saying that often we as parents allow those things to become the primary trainers in our child's lives. When that job belongs to us, we need to be the ones doing the training. We can't hand our children completely over to these things. Mary's actions here shows that she trusts the Lord and so she acts on that trust. She gets up and she goes to Elizabeth. She says, okay, Lord, your will be done in my life. If I'm going to have this baby, so be it. So be it. We need to act on our trust. If we trusted the Lord, we would be sharing the gospel without fear of the consequences. Knowing that that's what God has called us to do. Knowing that He's told us that the gospel would advance to all corners of the earth. And we as His people, we as the church, have the privilege of participating in that. If we trusted fully, we would give generously to the cause of missions without fearing that our own nest egg would be endangered. If we trusted that what God's Word says is true, then I don't think we would allow ourselves or our children to be entertained by filth, knowing that God has told us what we should and should not put in front of our eyes and into our ears. If we trusted God completely, then we would prioritize the assembling of ourselves together for worship as He has told us in His Word. If we knew how to trust like Mary, some of us might submit our lives to the call of God to serve in ministry. To say, Lord, here I am, Your humble, willing servant. In short, I think if we trusted the Lord like Mary, then most of our lives would look a lot different. We would live each day fully trusting God. And as we do that, I think we start to see that our worry will start to vanish and that we are free to serve Him and to live for Him without any concern of the consequences because we know that we are in His hands and that is the safest and best place for us to be. The question for us is, are we trusting today? Mary trusted God. And because she did, she was willing to act as a faithful servant of the Lord. She didn't have all the facts in front of her. She didn't have all the questions answered. So to the question of the song, Mary, did you know? Yeah, there were some things she did not know. But what she knew was enough. She knew the scriptures. She knew who God was. And she knew to trust that God. That was enough for her. Maybe today you need to stop struggling against God. You need to stop waiting for every question that you've had raised. Every opposition that you've had come up in your mind. You need to stop waiting for that to be answered. And you just need to trust Him. You need to submit your life to Him. You need to commit to ridding your life of that sin through repentance. You need to forgive someone Or ask forgiveness of them, trusting that's what God has instructed us to do in His Word. Stop holding back. I'm convinced Mary still had questions. She didn't know all of the future. There may have been doubts and fears that arose, but she was willing to say 
Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Are you willing to go that far today? Are you willing to say, Lord, whatever it is in my life, whatever you're calling me to, whatever you're drawing me to, maybe it's to trust in you for the very first time. Maybe it's to give my heart to you, my Lord and my Savior. Are you willing to say, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Are you willing and ready to lay your life at his feet with those same words? If you are, then in just a moment, I would encourage you to come and let me know. We can have a conversation. And today, this Christmas Eve, you can begin to know God and trust God in the exact same way that Mary did. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and the hope that it contains, the truth that it reveals to us about who you are. Lord, I pray that we would be transformed by it into people who know your word, who know your character, and who know to trust you. Lord, we're able to trust you because of what we've seen you do. Primarily in sending Jesus into the world. To live the life we could not live. To die the death that paid for our sins. And so Lord, I pray that today you would draw people to you in humble submission. Realizing that our only hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Help us to trust in him today. And then to live lives every day faithfully exhibiting that same trust. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about today's sermon or would like more information about Boone's Creek Baptist Church, you can send us an email at boonscreekchurch at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 859 263 5466. You can also find us online at www.boonscreekchurch.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.